indulge me for about 15 minutes. I would ask you if you'd rather go out and eat, but I'm not going to do that because I know the response I'll get. Amen. Amen. I invite your attention to the book of Ephesians. I'd like to read verses 4 through 7 in your hearing. Simply put a title on this sermon this morning. My prayer, my aim is higher ground. Paul writes, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Amen. Thank you, Brother Joe. (laughs) By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your presence that we sense and witness and feel in this house today. As we come to this time, the ministry of your word, I pray that you will bless this vessel that I might speak as your instrument and your mouthpiece. Bless all of us to hear and to receive your word. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. In my opinion, there are some, there, there are songs that, uh, you know, they have a tremendous message, but the melody not so much. The song that has been going through my mind all this week, and I cannot get it out of my mind as hard as I try, is just such a song. It has a powerful message, but the melody I just cannot hardly tolerate. Imagine that, and you can't get rid of it. And it'll be going through your mind if you've been around the church very long before I get done today. And all week long, you'll be thanking me. Thanks a lot, preacher. You really did it good. And when it gets into your mind, you just cannot turn it loose. The song that I'm talking about says, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. What a message. But the melody, whoo. It's another story. My grandmother, if she was living, she'd be ready to get up and do a little dancing about now. She loved that song. I'm speaking today strictly from a spiritual perspective. I realize that most of us in this congregation this morning have about figured out that we have just about climbed physically as high as we're going to climb. Amen? But spiritually, we can continue our journey to higher ground. On June the 1st, 1965, a 13-foot boat, and I've used this illustration a time or two over the years, but maybe you've heard it before, but just bear with me and indulge me. It slipped quietly out of Falmouth, Massachusetts, and its destination was none other than Falmouth, England. It would be the smallest craft ever to make such a voyage, 
Its name is Tinkerbell. I knew you'd get a kick out of that. <laughs> it's piloted a copy editor from the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper named Robert Manry, who felt that 10 years at a desk was enough boredom for any one individual. So Mamre, you know, he was afraid, not a, he, was, he was afraid, but not of the ocean, but all of the people who would try to talk him out of such a trip. As a result of his fear, he only shared it with some close relatives and his wife, Virginia, who was his greatest source of support. On this trip, he spent harrowing nights of sleeplessness trying to cross shipping lanes without getting run over. Weeks at sea caused his foot his food, rather, to become tasteless. Loneliness led to hallucinations. His rudder broke three times, and storms swept him overboard a time or two. And had it not been for the rope around his waist, he would have never been able to pull himself back on board. Finally, after 78 days, I can't even imagine being at sea that long. Five days, much less 78. 78 days alone at sea, he sailed into Falmouth, England. During those nights at the tiller, he had fantasized about what he would do once he arrived. He expected simply to check into a hotel and eat a dinner all by himself, and then the next morning see if perhaps the Associated Press might be interested in his story of crossing the Atlantic Ocean in such a small, small vessel. What a surprise was awaiting him. Word had spread far and wide about this venture that this fellow was on, and to his amazement, 300 vessels with horns blasting ex 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 escorted Tinkerbell into port, and 47,000 people stood screaming and cheering him to the shore. With all of that being said, one of the greatest themes throughout Scripture is perseverance. And let me tell you, to do what he done took perseverance. No matter how great our calling, no matter how great our talent might be, no matter how great our cause or our goal might be, without perseverance, we will not make it. Therefore, James writes in his epistle, chapter 1 and verse 12 from the NIV, Blessed is the man who preserves under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I, as a pastor and a minister in general for many years, have lamented that I believe individually and collectively we are living far below our spiritual means. I believe spiritually that we are living far below what God has provided and made possible for you and I as his born-again children. There's so much more for us to experience and so much more for us to realize in the realm of our spirituality. I'm not talking about our physical attributes. I'm talking about our spiritual attributes. You see, the creature that God created in man is enabled to respond to him. Have we really responded to him in his presence this morning? You see, man becomes a responsible being. He is qualitatively a different sort of being endowed with ability and a freedom to fellowship and to participate in the life of God. What a privilege you and I have been given to have the freedom Oh, the freedom and the privilege to fellowship and participate in the life of God. 
This is not the freedom of individual autonomy which denies dependence on God, nor is it the freedom behind the fall of man as in the case of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were given freedom to respond to God following their disobedience. But instead, they attempted to hide from Him. Sin, you see, is is the disobedience that severs man's fellowship with God. Sin confuses and distorts our humanity and obstructs the emergence of a true personhood by interrupting our fellowship with God. However, when the power of sin is broken by accepting Jesus Christ and the power of His efficacious blood and Jesus Christ's vicarious act of obedience at Calvary, Grace is revealed, and the true order of humanity is restored. Amen. It is in the crucified humanity of Jesus Christ that we find the true humanity intended in creation. Jesus came to authenticate humanity in order for us to be in full communion with God. These truths are summarized by Paul, who says that by nature the human condition of mankind is dead. The human nature of mankind is enslaved, and the human nature of mankind is condemned. But then, he said, by the grace of God in Christ Jesus and His divine compassion, man is saved and made alive. Raised, made to sit with Him in eternal fellowship and purpose in the presence of Almighty God. How often we forget That we, each and every day of our lives, every time we come together, we come together in the presence of Almighty God. The song continues, My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Amen? So often we need to invoke the can-do spirit. The word of the Lord records in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, about a fellow by the name of Caleb. It says this, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. If you're satisfied today with where you are spiritually, let me inject this. You need to do some soul searching. I have been involved in ministry for, well, more years than I'll admit to this morning. And I still am not happy and satisfied with where I am spiritually. Oh, pastor, if you're not happy and satisfied with your spiritually, we might as well give up. No, no. No, no. We should never become satisfied with where we are in our spiritual life, and in our walk with Jesus Christ. You see, Caleb wasn't into what some would call safe living. As a young man, he came back from the promised land and stood with the minority and announced, with God on our side, we can take the promised land. At 85 years young, he was still slaying giants and claiming mountains. Oh, God bless Caleb, I hope I can at 85. I'm struggling at 65, and that's 20 more to go. Or yeah, 20 more to go. He wasn't a he wasn't a go with the flow and expect the status quo kind of guy. In fact, Richard Elder writes, and I quote: "Safe living generally makes for regrets later on. We all are given talents and dreams. Sometimes the two don't seem to match. 
But usually we compromise both before ever finding out. Later on we find ourselves looking back longing to that time when we should have chased our true dreams and our true talents for all they were worth. Don't let yourself be pressured into thinking that your dreams or your talents aren't prudent. They were never meant to be prudent. They were meant to bring joy and fulfillment into your life. End of quote. You see, if a caterpillar refuses to get into its cocoon, it will never transform and will be forever relegated to crawling on the ground even though it had the potential to fly. What an embarrassing moment to think that one day we'll stand before the Savior and we wouldn't crawl into the cocoon and all we'd done was crawl on the ground when he gave us the ability to fly. So let me ask you, what do you believe God's called you to do? If you know what it is, do it. Do it with all your might. God's not limited by our IQ. He is limited by our I will. The poet said, and I quote, If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Life's battles don't always go to the short, stronger or faster individual. But sooner or later, the individual who wins is the individual who believes they can. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul never indicated any time and any place he could do anything of his own. But he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The spirit of Caleb is the can-do spirit. Have we got that spirit today? song we sing, His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He carries us when we can't carry on. Amen. We must keep reaching for higher ground. The songwriter continued, I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled, for faith has caught the joyful sound. A song of saints on higher ground. Paul, in his letter to the Philippian church, writes in chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul's saying, I've not arrived yet. I've not, I've not made it to that pinnacle that I want to be. I've not arrived to that spiritual plateau that I want to get. But he said, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Oh, sometimes we get caught up so much in the behind and all the regrets and all the things we wish we would have and should have and probably could have and we didn't. We Paul said, I'm forgetting all that. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'll share a little story with you before we wrap this up today. It is said, and this is what I read, I've never been there, it said halfway up the Swiss, the Swift Alps, there's a popular rest house, like a restaurant, lodge type of thing. They said it's a good day's climb from the bottom of the, of the, of the, from the bottom 
to the top, but you can usually get to the rest house by lunchtime. And, and as they say, that's where you, that's where you can separate boys. When some amateur climbers feel the warmth of the fire and smell the good cooking, they say to their companions, you know what? I'll just wait here. I'll just wait while you go to the top. And then when you come back down, we'll gather up again and we'll all go back down to the base of the mountain together. They say a glaze of satisfaction comes over them as they sit by the warmth of the fire and sip on hot chocolate and coffee in the welcome environment. Sounds good, doesn't it? Big fire in the fireplace, place where you can lounge back and sip on hot chocolate. Where else would you want to be? I wouldn't want to climb that mountain either. However, about 3.30 in the afternoon, they say that everything changes with these amateur climbers. They start looking toward the mountaintop as their friends reach the summit. They call back down and let them know we have arrived. Suddenly, the atmosphere in the rest house changes, and they think, if only I had continued on. If only I had pressed on a little higher. You see, there are at least three things that, call, that can cause you to lose sight of your God-given purpose and your goals. Number one is weariness. Number one is weariness. I can tell you, he has carried me when my strength was gone. Jesus told Peter in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, we, he said this, he said, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Oh, Peter, Satan wants you real bad. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. You see, we all have to overcome the failing faith syndrome. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6 and 9, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Oh, how often do we get so close to the pinnacle of that mountain and decide to, oh, this is good. I'll stay right here. Second thing is here. Some days the mountain just seems too high and we're tempted to give up and to give up. And then a voice whispers, as it's recorded as Joshua 1 and 9, Have I not commanded you, commanded you, be strong, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, you don't know the times. I have to remind myself of that passage. The third thing is comfort. Amos recorded these words, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. You see, conflict and hard times keep us on our toes and on our knees. However, too much comfort can seduce us into settling short of our goal. So we must keep climbing. And I close with this. The truth is certain people tend to stoke the fires within us to be all we can be. So when you find that type of person, feed off of them. When you have little or no water in your well, be willing to draw it from theirs. You see, you see Elisha about this now. Elisha spent many years, many years, living in Elijah's shadow. 
Oh, who can forget Elijah? Great prophet of God. Can you imagine living in his shadow? But Elisha saw it as a privilege, not a put-down. He was willing to set up tents. He was willing to cook their meals. He was willing to wash their clothes and run errands because it meant he would experience firsthand some of the greatest miracles in biblical history. Walking in the shadow of Elijah. But it doesn't end there. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 9. Elijah said to Elijah just before Elijah was transferred into heaven through the chariot of fire. Elisha said to him, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And before his life was over, before Elisha's life was over, Elisha worked twice as many miracles as Elijah. Because he was willing to walk into the shadow of Elijah. Please understand this. You must have a foundation. You must be established upon the foundation. And you cannot build that foundation. You cannot stand upon that foundation without help. And finally, the last stanza of this beautiful message from this song with says, I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I've found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. How many of you want everything, spiritually speaking, that God has for his people? Oh, there's so much more. There's so much more. How often we leave and go home on a Sunday morning to our respective homes... And we stayed at the lodge at the midway point, sat by the fire and sipped on cocoa and coffee when he has summoned us to the top. How often in our personal walks, in our personal relationship with God on a day-to-day basis, does he lead us to greater spiritual heights and somewhere along the way we stop So I challenge you today. To aim for higher ground. Don't be satisfied with where you're at. In your spiritual walk. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?